Hey folks, welcome back. We have a special weekend episode for you. I sat down with John Hammontree. He's the host of the Reckon Interview podcast. We talked a little about his podcast. We talked about economics in this time of COVID-19. We talked about uh, John Prine and, and John Paul White, a musician he interviewed on his on his latest episode. Um, I'm Mike Morgan, and we're down in Alabama. John Hammontree of uh, Reckon by AL.com is hanging out with me. He does the Reckon interview. I, hopefully, y'all have listened to the first season. We've got a second season rolling out now. But before we get to that, John also for AL.com is org- – I'm really jealous of this, too, because I'm an economics geek. John, uh, along with John Talty, is sort of helming a committee of economics – reporters or economics reporting um, surrounding this uh, coronavirus. And John, if you could just tell us a little bit about what that entails. There are a lot of economic stories on AL.com, folks, and, and John's a big a big part of making that happen. How's that going, John? Well, we're kind of in a brave new world these days. Um, you know, nationwide in the last three weeks, uh, 17 million people have filed for unemployment, uh, 17 million new cases. In Alabama this past week, there was 100,000. The week before, it was 80,000. In mid-March, Congress passed a $2 trillion stimulus deal. I mean, these are numbers that we aren't really used to uh, just throwing around willy-nilly. We can't really – I've read that the human brain can't really get around numbers to a certain level, and those numbers are way smaller than $2 trillion. That's way beyond what we really can comprehend. And population is obviously a lot bigger than it was, you know, during the Great Depression, but at its peak, there were never 17 million people unemployed in the Great Depression. You know, when the recession happened back in 08, 09, it took us two years to to double unemployment from 5% to 10%. It's looking like we might jump from 3.5% to 12, 15%, uh, you know, in a matter of months. So, I mean, mm-hmm. the way that the economy has really kind of ground to a halt in, in all sectors, for the most part, other than, um, you know, the quote-unquote essential sectors, and even those you know, even medicine, for example, right? You know, it, mm-hmm. it's never seemed more essential, but there are, you know, medical professionals and doctors and people like that who are being laid off because, you know, hospitals are directing all of their resources towards dealing with the pandemic. And so right. surgeries that otherwise would have gone forward are being delayed. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's affecting all of the economy all at once. And we had business reporters and we had government reporters, but this was an opportunity to really kind of take a team of people and say, okay, this is clearly going to be a, a defining moment, um, not just for Alabama, but, but for the country and, and also for, um, you know, people who are, re- who are planning to retire right now, people, you know, our age who have gone through two recessions in the last 10 years. And so how can we kind of track this in real time, but also over the course of the next few weeks and months and years and see what the sort of long-term impacts are. And and part of what I've been trying to do is really focus on understanding and explaining this stimulus package in a way that makes sense for, for regular people like you and me who 
<laughs> may need right. that money sooner or later. Well, yeah, and and well, well, thanks for the people our age thing. I mean, close enough. But uh, we're we're uh, uh, you know part of our jobs is, is watching what readers are reacting to and, and and audience engagement, quote unquote, and all that stuff. And and people really care when they, you talk about their money and their, their what's going in and out of their wallet. And uh, I mean, this has been a surreal experience across the board. And that is the part that's becoming more real for people is when some of these stories are, well, that's my experience too. And uh, when you see these vast numbers of people filing for unemployment, it's really becoming real. I mean, as real as knowing someone who's really sick with uh, COVID-19. Well, and I think it also gives us the chance to kind of see how interconnected the whole economy really is, which I mean, kind of sounds obvious to say, but you know, most of the core businesses in Huntsville, you know, the Arsenal is going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Toyota Mazda, Mercedes, you know, all the car plants are going to be okay. In Birmingham, you know, the banking industry is going to be okay. Healthcare is going to be okay. Down in Mobile, the port's going to be okay. But like, but what's not okay right now is those businesses that kind of make the cities worth living in, right? If you take mm-hmm. all of your employees from the banks and law firms and businesses in downtown Birmingham, and they're all stuck at working from home and all of those restaurants that service them, all of those little shops that service, service those people, those stores start to go belly up. And, you know, one of the guests I'm planning to have in the next few weeks on the Reckon interview is um, Frank Stitt, the, the uh, proprietor of Highlands Bar and Grill, James Beard winner. And, you know, we were talking about if a restaurant like that closes its doors, it doesn't just hurt the employees. Mm-hmm. It hurts the florists who they buy their flowers from. And it yep. hurts the farmers who they buy their mm-hmm. uh, food from. And and eventually, somewhere down the line, all that sales tax, that hurts, you know, the kids in Birmingham schools who need new textbooks in two years. And so mm-hmm. I think we're seeing how it's all kind of interrelated and um yeah, and a big part of it is how many of these kinds of businesses, how long can they hold on? I mean, because the, the big, and we, you and I have talked about this, and we're not going because this is already starting to get clouded with politics, but there's a point that you 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 start to say, who goes back to work when? And and, and right. we all agree that's it's urgent that that happens, and there is an urgency to it not happening in some ways, too. So th- those, those are going to be very difficult decisions that when we see what kind of, uh, what kind of businesses, um, hang around. Um, and, and, and most st- of what I'm saying from both economists and scientists alike, it's like, it's not going to be a switch that we're going to flip where mm-hmm. all of a sudden one day we all go back, we staggered our way into staying at home and we'll probably stagger our way out of it. You know, restaurants might open at 50% capacity. Um, yeah, we'll do it smarter, probably. It may, I mean, we may yeah. look at sectors. Do you think could go by like I these so. kind, yeah. kinds of businesses, or or are these this age group of employees? You know, as long as we do it safely, I think. You know, I mean, you're you're seeing um, in China and South Korea. You know, they're starting to reopen factories, but people are people are in full personal protective equipment. Um, you know, there will be things that I, I mean, you and I are both big sports fans, I I find it hard to believe that there's going to be any sports played in front of 80,000 person crowds in the next few months. Just that that seems a little too risky, but I can't imagine that there's too much money at stake for, for baseball and football to probably not come back in 
some form. So whether it's like WrestleMania where it's happening in front of no crowd or it's happening in front of partial crowds or, or what, but I do think that, you know, we will slowly work our way back from this and I don't think it's going to happen overnight. Um, but I do think it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. We'll, we'll pivot back to the other thing we want to talk about. And, but everybody, if you're listening to dings and pings, I'm sorry, we're, we're, we were working remotely just like so many people are. And I have, there might be a half dozen meetings going on the windows of my computer. I apologize if that's <laughs> happening. Maybe it's not happening. Um, you mentioned you, you talked to Frank Stitt and now he's a James Beard award winner. Um, and he's, he's coming on the Reckon interview. Um, that's the podcast we talked about the Reckon interview. There, there's a whole season you can listen to from last year. Um, Roy Wood jr. And, and, and plenty of, uh, Lee Baines jr. Um, Lee Baines, the third, <laughs> and, uh, a, a lot of great interviews there. My favorite may have been the kids who were the, the comedians and the, and they were in a, in the bar, clearly, clearly probably after closing time for the sound of it, but it was, it was a fun listen. Now, that was tell one me, of my favorites too. <laughs> you have one episode in the second season out. Can we talk yeah. about it? Yeah. So uh, the plan was to release the second season, um, next week, but you know, this week we lost a, a music legend in John mm. Prine and, mm-hmm. um, my guest for the first episode is John Paul White. He's a, you know, a, a legendary musician in his own right, a singer-songwriter. A lot of people would know him from the Civil Wars. Um, Florence, Alabama. Had, yeah, Florence, Alabama. He, he also runs Single Lock Records, and he's lived in Florence basically his whole life. So, you know, he, he's one of the good ones. Um, well, we talked, I guess, two weeks ago. You know, time is all blurring for all of us right now, but I think it was two <laughs> weeks ago, and it was right after John Prine had been diagnosed with coronavirus. Okay. So we, we were talking about John Prine and, you know, how it, I think it was when he first listened to Sam Stone, that was when John mm-hmm. Paul White kind of thought, oh, this is what I want to do with my life. And, mm-hmm. you know, he was longtime friends with John Prine and actually was supposed to be on tour with him right now uh, in Australia. Um, and so everything had to shut down because of the, because of coronavirus. And so, you know, with with Prime passing, it just seemed like I wanted to get this out there so that people could kind of listen to what John Paul White had to say. Yeah. We dedicated the episode to, to John Prine and mm-hmm. to everybody who was a fan of his. And, you know, you listen to it, and I think I think that John Paul said what a lot of us are, are kind of feeling. And, you know, me, it, it was raw and emotional. And, and then we also talked about... Um, you know, the, the impact that shutting everything down for coronavirus has had on the music industry, right? I mean, these are guys who, even, even the, the ones who you and I think of, oh, they have to have it pretty good. I mean, they make 80 to 90% of their money on the road. And so if you can't tour, you know, unless you are Taylor Swift, um, It's it's also you're you're you got bills to pay. (laughs) You're you're still maintaining a business. I mean that's what we oftentimes we look and we're all guilty of of saying man that that cat's got it got it better than me you know, but people take a hit. You talked about how things do kind of filter out or down or or what it affects other people and these ripple effects and and you know some. Taylor Swift, I, I'll bet there are a lot of people connected to her who are going, uh-oh. You know? Yeah, right. I mean, you've got you've got the managers and you've got the tour bus drivers and you've got, you know, the bar owners and you've got 
everybody who makes things work behind the scenes and, um, you know, they're not getting paid right now. And, uh, and it's not a situation where they're not getting paid so they can go do some other job because the other jobs aren't there. And so, I mean, it was interesting. And, and, and we didn't just talk about coronavirus, obviously. We talked about the impact of Florence, Alabama and Muscle Shoals on, on his music career and why it seems like so many musicians seem to come from that part of the state. And uh, we talked about Southern influences on his writing. And, you know, he's, he's a very thoughtful guy. I think people really enjoy listening to it. And that's what's kind of crazy about this season is, you know, I had eight episodes in the can and was planning to roll them out. And then all of a sudden the whole world turns upside down and we're all <laughs> on lockdown. Yeah. And so what I'm going to try to do this season is do a mixture of the recorded episodes I have. So mm-hmm. talking with people like Peggy Wallace Kennedy about her father, uh, George Wallace and her mother, okay. Lurleen Wallace. Yeah. But also talking with people um, like Frank Stitt, uh, you know, about how the restaurant industry is, is coping with this. And so it'll hopefully be a mixture of, you know, kind of escaping the situation that we're all in, but also knowing that like, we're all kind of in it together and yeah. Yeah. Stories of resilience and hope, but also, um, isn't it like everything, everything right now is, is you've got a story and it's okay. This is not a COVID-19 story. Yeah. (laughs) But COVID-19 is absolutely a personality in that story. Yeah. No matter what you do and you, you know, with your interviews, I'm sure. And then you do, you know, some that you don't have and you're like, how have they been rescued? You know, has has the context changed? And, and I'm sure, you know, with, with the history stuff with uh, uh, Peggy Kennedy, then or Wallace Kennedy. Yeah, some of them will hold on on their own. And and I've, before that episode, I mean, that one was supposed to be episode one. um, And I thought it would would have been weird to not acknowledge the surreal times that we're all living in. So I recorded the John Paul White episode. And then I have a little, just a quick little editor's note before the Peggy Wallace Kennedy episode that, that says, you know, this was recorded, I guess, back in December. And so we don't talk about COVID-19, but, um, but I think people still get a lot out of it. I mean, her story is just so powerful and, and, you know, I think we can all take something from that message of resilience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They do play some, play some music up there. Uh, is there any other snippet you want to share that, that John Paul gave you? He, yeah. Oh, let me ask you, he seems, and this is watching his videos and everything. seems like a fairly intense guy. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a guy of depth. He was very, he, he was definitely a guy of depth. Um, he was clearly very thoughtful. I and mean, we talked about obviously everything from the economic situation to, um, you know, he, he mentioned Faulkner and Flannery O'Connor as kind of being part of his, um, fueling some of the lyrical work that he has. You know, he's an interesting guy because he, he is clearly very Southern, but he intentionally writes his music to kind of have a universal quality so that like, you know, it's not about, there are some people who you listen to it and it's like, okay, that's very clearly him in a specific place. But his is, mm-hmm. if you're listening to it, you feel like it could be your story. And I think part of that is because he, he worked for, I want to say 10 years as a songwriter for EMI um, up in Nashville. So he was writing, you know, country music hits for, you know, mainstream radio people. So he kind of learned what, what works. And so he takes that and also imbues it with kind of his natural um, intellect and, and intensity, as you said, we, we talked a little bit about, um, you know, you and I have talked about this, there's been kind of that rise of 
of protest music, and I kind of got his thoughts on that. He he tends to lean more towards subtle music than trying to be yeah. overt in protesting, but it was interesting to hear him commenting on that. And we talked about, I mean, these are three songwriters that I, I certainly adore, but coming out of right around the same generation there in Muscle Shoals and Florence, you've got Patterson Hood, you've got Jason Isbell, and you've got um, John Paul White. And then he co-founded uh, Single Lock Records with a member of the Alabama Shakes. And so, you know, they talked about that legacy that they inherited from their parents' generation of the Muscle Shoals sounds, and then him wanting to turn around and pay it forward and help discover and promote that next generation of Alabama talent. And so Single Lock, I mean, they've, they've signed all sorts of great names, Cedric Burnside, Belladere. They signed St. Paul and the Broken Bones. So, you know, he, he is really, um, he's somebody who puts his money where his mouth is in terms of paying it back to Alabama. Yeah. And that, that North Alabama, that, that quarter of music. So great. Um, talking about John Prine, Matt Wake had that, that great story. You yeah. saw that on the site with, um, uh, about the time John Prine actually hopped in his old car and drove down to made the slow drive from Chicago to Muscle Shoals to record. Now, now some people don't, it seems like every right now, everybody was a huge John Prine fan. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't, you know, he, he did, he wasn't like, so mainstream for so long. I think over time people just became aware and, and, and appreciate Well, I'll admit, I mean, you know, uh, maybe this loses me some of my street cred, but I, I'm <laughs> somebody who has discovered a lot of that generation of musicians through the younger generation. So I, I've, I'm not somebody who grew up listening to John Prine. I'm somebody who went out and found him because a lot of the artists that I respect and admire um and listen to like you know jason isbell and mm-hmm. casey musgraves and john paul white because they admire him so much and it's like well if right. they like him then there has to be something there oh, and yeah. then out then i you know i listen to it and I, I love his stuff and i've been listening to a lot of it the last couple of weeks and it's i think yeah. we all go backwards you know for me it was it was country radio it was it was alabama and hank jr and that kind of you know cause i was a teenager you know ready you get uh with the country party music and then you start backtracking and you go well, yeah I've, I've heard these Waylon Jennings hits and, and you start getting into the catalogs and then you go back to Hank or you go back to Skinner was actually going backwards for me. I'm just barely young enough that that yeah. was a little beyond my, my teenage listening years, but yeah, I, absolutely. And John Joe, Paul and I discussed Joe Diffie too. So, I mean, you know, we, mm-hmm. we, we were all over the map. It's been rough for country music lately. And I, I love Joe Diffie. I saw him at the, uh, out on Panama city beach in the mid nineties when he was, it just hit. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a, cool. That, that, that's a major loss. Now for people who still don't know John Prine or kind of know him, the way you've known him longer than you realize probably is the David Allen Coe song. You never even called me by my name. And he, there's a part in that song where he said, well, my friend of mine named Steve Goodman wrote the song. What Steve Goodman did, but he wrote it with John Prine. John Prine just says, well, don't stick me with that. <laughs> I, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but what, whatever it was, it was, they were being silly and kind of making fun of the, the whole um, manufactured country music. If you listen to this song, it's got, you know, it's got the, the little short solos and the, the, well, and the if you go listen to his um, first album, you know, which I think is called John Prine. He always had a goofy sense of humor in, in his music, um, mm-hmm. and he's somebody who 
always, I mean, he, he could write about sort of the condition of the everyman, but he also did it with a sense of humor, which I think is why so many people like them. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's certainly, I love that. I like people who won't take themselves too seriously. My, my favorite songwriter of all time is uh, Chris Doverson. And of course, Chris writes uh, mostly pretty, pretty serious stuff. So <laughs> almost, that almost belies what I just said. He, he's, yeah. he takes it pretty seriously, but I mean, he's the guy who, or one of the guys who, who really brought, John Prine in, into people's awareness. And uh, so, so to know that Prine had that, that Christofferson level of, of songwriting appreciation as well as ability to laugh at himself and at other people or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, we, could, sure. we could go on and on. Um, I, I'll go ahead and let you go. Um, uh, well, you, I'm always happy to come by so we can, I mean, we got nowhere to go. So uh, <laughs> you invite me back whenever you want to, like. Thanks. But I, I you know, uh, we, we ramble a little but the, the Reckon interview, that, that's where this content is that you want to see, you want to hear. Y'all go over and check it out. It's wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, all of them. Spotify. You can even, if you're listening on an Alexa device, you can even say Alexa, play podcast reckon interview and it should play it although you know, my accent it 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 tried to play a uh, a podcast about car wrecks but my wife got it to work so. <laughs> well you just said it and so maybe you got it to play in like a hundred extra homes just saying just then, so. <laughs> that's the way that's the way we'll sneak it in here thanks uh john hammontree i appreciate it y'all y'all you met your wife y'all doing okay and all with all this I see you we're every day, right. so I forget yeah. to ask yeah. a little things. We're, we're, we're doing good. How are y'all doing? Uh, hanging in there. Okay. We're, we're very, very fortunate. You know, when you have a job, especially when you can work from home, you count your lucky stars. Never, ever take for granted those the blessings, really, that, that we're getting. So, yep. John Hammetry, I appreciate it. We'll talk again soon. Thank you. All right. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to us. Uh, we'll be back here on Monday. Watch out for the weather on Sunday. Could get rough, especially later on into the day and evening. We'll be back here on Monday. Until then, come by and see us anytime you want to on the Internet at AL.com. 